3: Radio 92.9, the game. time to play the game.
2: Time to play the game!
1: (laughs) It may be the nighttime, but
0: the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know! Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is.
1: You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And
0: pretty much always right.
1: Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call
3: 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's
1: time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9. The game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia studios on this Thursday evening with you for the full four. We're asking you to download the Odyssey app. We know you're not in the car as much. You want to listen in, put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take your smartphone, take your Alexa speakers, take your tablet, take your boombox, take your turntable, your Ring doorbell, camera, whatever your device is, just download it on something. You'll be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at nine two nine the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I am at jmch three one six. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there producing the show. On the other side of the glass, as always, Day Day is in the house at the D Lewis for real on Twitter. Let's get into it with you here this evening. Uh, Braves with a night off uh, tonight as they get ready to head to Arizona. Um, believe it or not, and, and we talked to Bob Nightingale, uh, what, a couple weeks ago about uh, this Arizona team. And, you know, he was talking about the idea that, you know, they're probably not built for the long term just as far as can they keep pace with the Dodgers for the long term. But, look, a third of the way through the season, they're hanging right there with the Dodgers. In fact, they're tied with the Dodgers for the division lead. They've won five games in a row, 34-23, uh, of, of stout 19-12 at home. That's a pretty good home record for Arizona. So this will be a good series. And, I, and I'll tell you the pitching matchup is Sunday. Mike Soroka versus Zach Gallen. If you don't know Zach Gallen, he has been really good this year. 7-2, 2.2. Uh, 7-2 ERA, 82 strikeouts in 72 and two-thirds innings. That's over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got a uh, five-to-five strikeout-to-walk ratio. So he struck out 82 guys, only walked 16, doesn't give up tons of hits. He's only given up two homers in his 72 innings. So the Braves obviously have been pouncing on pitchers, in these first innings, and obviously it's been the long ball, right? I mean, the, the Braves have all kinds of guys that are already in double figures in home runs, but Zach Gallon has kept the ball in the ballpark, and historically that's been a pretty, you know, good uh, ballpark to to hit in out there in Arizona. Wouldn't say it's Coors Field, but it's been pretty good to hit to hit in that park. What do they call? I mean, I don't even know what that park is called uh, anymore. I don't even know what it is. It it, it was like. Um, uh, like, I don't know, oh, man, what, what's a uh, Chase Field, yes, Chase Field is what the ballpark is. Do they still have that swimming pool out there in the outfield?
2: Uh, last I, I heard, they did. I went to that stadium, ooh, gosh, what, 10, no, longer than that, probably like 15, 16 years ago, and, yeah, that was pretty cool to see the pool out there. Uh, in, in but the are, there of,
1: are there a bunch of there a bunch of jabrones in that thing? No, I mean,
2: um, well, when we went, there were like kids in there playing, and you know, and everything. Gotcha. And uh, it was the one thing that tripped me out was the fact that it was a day game we went to, but they keep the roof closed during day games because of how hot it is out there in yeah, the summertime. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, so, yeah, and
1: and you never know when it's going to rain. I mean, just all of right. a sudden, pop up shower rain, right? Yeah. So um, Bank One Ballpark, right, was the old name for the stadium, right? So. Now it's uh, Chase Field, so nobody can keep up with uh, what these stadiums are. But interesting series for the Braves. Now, we'll talk more about this coming up at the 9 o'clock hour because, yes, Arizona is in first place right now. Yes, the Mets obviously are your division rival. But things are really promising in June. Things really lighten up. When you think about the gauntlet that the Braves have run so far this year, and they sit three and a half games above the New York Mets – Four and a half games against the, uh, above the Marlins, eight over the Philadelphia Phillies, nine over the Nationals. Um, you know, they've run a pretty good gauntlet. We've seen the Phillies and Mets, we've seen the San Diego Padres and the LA Dodgers and the division leading Texas Rangers, who are 35 and 20 on the year. Baltimore, 35 and 21. They're four games back in the East because Tampa's been ridiculous. But Baltimore's 35-21. and We've seen them. We've seen the Houston Astros defending champions, right? This has been a pretty good gauntlet for the Atlanta Braves in this first third of the season. Well, things will start to lighten up in June. Things will get a little bit easier come June time. And this may be a chance for the Braves to start to separate themselves from other teams in the division. Uh, And they'll play the Mets here coming up in, uh, what, about uh, less than two weeks, I believe. Uh, Maybe a week, two weeks, whatever it is. Um, I don't know the specific dates, but they'll play the Mets coming up here. And they've got them at Truist Park.
2: They start that series next week.
1: Okay. So remember that we were going to have that five game set against the Mets up in New York, and then every game got rained out? Seemed like, I mean, you know, I think they played, what, two games or something like that? Or maybe they played three, but two of the games got rained out. So they're going to host the New York Mets coming up here next week. So, other than that, though, I mean, we'll talk about this more in detail, but, you know, their schedule is fairly easy. Now, look, they didn't take advantage of this series in Oakland. Um, and I know they won the last game, and, you know, Mike Soroka pitched and all. Okay, I mean, again, very disappointing series for the Braves. To lose two out of three to the Oakland A's, I don't care if you're the Toledo Mudhens You shouldn't lose two out of three of the Oakland A's. They're 12 and 46. They had 10 wins on the entire year before the Braves showed up. 10. 10. They're 7 and 24 at home. 7 and 24 at home. If there ever is going to be contraction in Major League Baseball, start in Oakland. Start in Oakland. Remember how they wanted to contract the Minnesota Twins? Start in Oakland. Let's bring contraction back. And again, uh, Vegas is going to give them a whole bunch of money to build a stadium, even though their owner is worth $6 billion. That's how sports in America works. God bless America, right? Capitalism at its finest. Anyway. Uh, NBA Finals tonight, Uh, Miami and Denver will get things cranked up and underway. Um, Had a chance to talk earlier to Eric Reed, and he's been – he's literally, when I say this, he's literally been the play-by-play voice since season one, 35 years for the Miami Heat. He's been with the Heat for 35 years. By the way, it's crazy to think the Heat have been around for 35 years, but he's been with them. And one of the great voices – He's our Bob Rathburn, right? He, he's the play-by-play voice on Valley, uh for the Miami Heat. Been with him forever. Been around the organization forever. Uh, had a real fun conversation with him earlier on uh, this evening. Uh, we'll hear him coming up at 8.20 as 8.30 will be tip-off time. Heat, Denver, in Denver, obviously. Um, that's like, are they two hours behind us? Yes. Okay. So, 6.30 – Six thirty tip, like not a prime time. Well, I, I guess it is maybe prime time start, but but obviously it's starting like a normal regular NBA game for Denver, right?
2: Yeah, because uh, well, no, because you know typically during the season, um, their home games would tend to come on like seven ten seven o'clock 30. here here, yeah, which would be that's... like uh, eight thirty there. Okay, yeah, okay, something like that.
1: So maybe a little bit ear- so a little bit earlier even. Yeah, a little so, earlier. Um, I don't know how. You know Denver's going to be rot, rowdy and raucous. I mean that that crowd's going to be uh, all into it uh, with a chance to win an NBA title. But um, we'll see if it's a you know look. Miami is notorious for being a late arriving crowd, right? I don't care if the Heat are in the finals. I don't care. I don't care if the Heat are about to you know uh, win the Cold War. I mean you know that they, they're always a late arriving crowd, right? Like there there's. People have posed as empty seats for a long yeah. time in Miami when the game is first. Well, starting part out. of the
2: problem is where the stadium is too. Like you got to cross the bridges. Most people got to come across the bridges to so get. So you to leave the, early, uh, enough. Yeah, You're leaving plenty of time. What yeah. you got to do in Miami? It's a, it's a, it's a really congested area. Oh yeah, I understand.
1: Yeah. I've, I've been by that stadium. I mean, I get it, but I mean, still.
2: Yeah, to but your yeah. point, especially finals. Right. Yeah. Right. Leave early.
1: Right. Leave early. So, um, they uh, again, we talked about they won't play game three in Miami until next Wednesday. So it's almost a week before they before they play uh, game three. Uh, Atlanta United, they drew last night against New England. Um, you know, kind of a back-and-forth match and all that. We're going to talk Jason Longshore coming up here at 720. So in about, uh, about seven minutes from right now, we'll get Jason's uh, thoughts on here. As I told Mike and Carl, they've had one win in six weeks. I mean, it's not been six full weeks. Sunday will be six weeks, but they've had one win in six weeks, and um, they've got uh, LAFC coming up the following uh, Wednesday, so they don't play this weekend. They will have uh, they will have LAFC because they go out there. That'll be a ten o'clock uh, pregame, uh, ten thirty on the kick with uh, Jason Longshore and Mike uh, Mike Connie. Uh, they will have all of that. So no match this weekend. So it's gonna be. Over six weeks since Atlanta, that, that they've had one win in over six weeks. It's crazy to think. And they got off to such a good start, right? Such a hot start. And, you know, some things have failed them. They've given up way too many goals. And, you know, they were fortunate enough to to at least even get a draw, giving up three goals at home last night. But got to take care of home field. You know, I, I don't. We haven't done enough of that on the road. We haven't done enough of that in you know, Mercedes-Benz. I mean, so uh, but we'll get Jason's thoughts and in, in perspective about uh, all of this. And we'll talk about this later on in the show as well. SEC is going to play an eight-game schedule with no divisions in 2024. Good. I don't have a problem with that. I'll be honest with you. If it keeps the ACC-SEC games together, then I'm all for it. Because it's, what's unique is – the SEC and ACC having that kind of matchup, and I think it's what six teams that play games that, that play SEC ACC games, right? We know how well the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl does in the old days before when it was just a when, when it was a bowl game on New Year's Eve. It was always ACC SEC, right? We we know that they try to get as many ACC SEC matchups as possible at the beginning of the year, Labor Day weekend, right? So I'm I'm I don't have a problem with this. And we'll hear what Kirby Smart, or we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what Kirby Smart had to say a little bit later on, but I, I don't have a problem with an eight-game schedule. Sorry. I mean, it's, what does it matter if, if the SEC plays eight or nine? Uh, they're still the best conference in America. And I like the southern region rivals. I love Clemson, South Carolina. I love Georgia, Georgia Tech. I love Florida, Florida State. I like those kinds of rivals. Not Georgia, Oregon. Oy vey. All right, Jason Longshore, when we come back, talking about Atlanta United's draw from last night. Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 the game. Back at a Chuck show Hanging out in the Kia Studios Thursday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Annie United, um, some good, some bad. 3-3 draw at home against uh, New England. Now they uh, await to take on LAFC coming up on Wednesday, June 7th. So no match this weekend. They will be on the road, and then uh, they'll be coming home on the 10th on that Saturday against D.C. United. I'll be here. Or sorry, I will be at the uh, the game. So let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlantis Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy and all things color analyst for Atlanta United, Jason Longshore. You can follow him on Twitter, at Longshoe, and uh, he'll have the call of the match coming up next uh, Wednesday from L.A. Uh, that's a 10 o'clock pregame Ten thirty kick. Jason and uh, Mike, uh, Mike Connie will have the uh, call for all of that. Jason, as always, buddy, appreciate a few
3: minutes tonight. No, thanks for having me on. As always,
1: where will they put you up in L.A.? Where are you going to be staying?
3: Don't know yet. Actually, um, this was the game that was supposed to be this weekend, but L.A.F.C. is in the Concacaf Champions League mm-hmm. final. They lost uh, last night two one in Mexico, and they play Sunday night against Club León. And then we see them on Wednesday, which makes it really hard to predict what LAFC we're going to see next week.
1: So, you know, last night, obviously, I mean, is, is this become the stat of the year? I saw this stat that eight goals in the 89th minute or later of matches this season. I mean, is that the most defining stat for Atlanta United this season?
3: There's a bunch of crazy numbers this season when it comes to atlanta united um these three three draws i am begging for no more of them this season uh they are exhausting and chaotic and crazy and we've seen two of them in the last three games um this game last night was nuts i mean atlanta united scored goals late this season too Mm -hmm. and they've conceded goals late this season when you get into like points gained or dropped, and, and Mike Connie had the stat, they're zero. They're, they're, they're even this year in terms of points gained and dropped with those late goals because they've won games late and they've lost points late. And this last night, after such a comeback, after a gift of a goal at the beginning, and then you chase the game, you have opportunities, you don't score, you get hit on the other side, didn't defend well, you're down 2-0 at the break. And they get three, and the third one is a wonder goal from Miguel Berry, and then it's wasted in a late goal that, again, it was a defensive breakdown and losing an individual duel. Uh,
1: By the way, Jason, it's Mike Connie, um, just so you know, as you pronounce it uh, correctly. So, C-O-N-N-I, yes. Um, We have to get it right. Um, I'll have to to practice with you next time. Sorry. Yeah, anyway. um, Look, Jason, you know, it it will – they will have only had one win over the last six weeks. And we know that the start that they got off to, was one of the best starts in club history, right? I mean, just, you know, they were fantastic and they were taking care of uh, points at home and this that, and the other, but it doesn't feel like, like that feels like a lifetime ago. It It feels like you've only won one match in six weeks on the calendar. I, I don't, you know, it just seems like a frustrating stretch here that we're just, kind of just a middling kind of team right now over this last month and a half.
3: It's maddening because of what it could be. When you look at this overall record out of 16 matches, Atlanta United's lost four games all year. And you look at, you you hear that. and that's, That's good. That, that is a good number. That's good. Six draws, not good. And some of the draws, late goals to lose games that should be in the win column. Not good. The, the biggest issue, and, and look, we've had this conversation, I feel like, since 2017 when the team launched. This has always been a club that wants to score goals, that, that wants to get numbers forward, that goal scoring is at a premium. I mean, go back to 2019 when Frank DeBoer's team was on an epic winning streak and clean sheet streak, and that was not good. That was not received well because it was low scoring. Well, these games are high scoring but they're not good enough defensively right now to make 32 goals, most goals in the league, two goals per game, straight up, two goals per game. This team defensively right now is not good enough to make that hold up. When you get three goals in a match and they've done it twice out of the two out of the last three times out three goals should be three points. And it hasn't been, and that's why you are where you are. But, keep things in mind atlanta united is eighth out of 29 teams in mls right now they're they're fifth in the eastern conference they're four points out of second place in the eastern conference as middling as it feels as frustrating as it feels a win on wednesday really changes things up and that's what you have to keep focusing on if you're in that locker room and you're preparing for these matches when you're at atlanta united Jason Longshore on the
1: WaitFor.com hotline as we uh, talk about all things landing United as they get ready for L A F C coming up in uh, on Wednesday. Sorry, uh, June seventh. I guess the silver lining though is is that for Atlanta United, you don't feel like they're out of a match because of Yakamakis nope. and, and some of these you know players that we have that can score on a moment's notice, and they always fight. I mean, they they don't give up. They don't. They don't. Throw in the towel and and let two nothing become four nothing, right? I mean, they they fight, but they can always come back and win. I guess you know that's what we have to point to as far as the silver lining goes, right?
3: Yeah, and that's that's the other element of this that you do have to keep in mind. And I feel like we we talked about it on the road in Orlando at halftime in a game where Atlanta really struggled to I, I think get into a rhythm in that one. Orlando played well defensively, Atlanta. Just kind of struggled until you got into the the second half of the second half, and things started to, to string together. But you have to have that belief. This team scored in every game. That they have they haven't been clean sheeted this season. Um, they're in every match because of Yakamakis, because of Almada, because of that fighting spirit that is in this group. That's why the defensive issues at times are so confusing and. I don't know why that fighting spirit shows up so well in the attacking half of the field. But on that last play last night where Carlos Heel gets an opportunity, he advances, they force him to play the ball out wide. All that's fine. The cross comes in, it's fine. Parata doesn't clear it far. He clears it out of the 18, but it falls to Heel. All right, at that stage, talk about fighting spirit the other way. That's where fighting spirit has to show up on the defensive side. Because you can't let the opponent's best 1v1 player have a 1v1. And that's what he had. Yeah, it's a a clearance that falls to him. You know, it's not like the team just stopped defending entirely. But that ball falls to him. The awareness, the, the, the panic, in a way, has to hit. And players have to go flying out to make Heal not be able to get the 1v1 that he wants. He beats Ibarra in the one v one and Eboter has been one of the better players in MLs the season in duels and winning those duels. think it's beaten a one v one with a great player. It shouldn't have been a one v one. That fighting spirit has to show up on the defensive side as much as it's shown up on the attacking side
1: so is it a matter of you know skill people? Is it a matter of you know effort at times on defense? I mean, you know, does something have to change? I mean, not just, hey, we need to play better, but can anything be done to shake up what our defense is? I mean, is there any kind of alignment or anything that we can do differently that, you know, allows us to be a better club? Or is it just come down to want to and effort?
3: I think want to and effort doesn't capture it. And I know that's the easy fallback, and I get it. I totally understand it. But – I don't think you can say that there's effort in part of the field and not effort on the other and want to in part, but not in the other. I think it's that mindset when you're in that situation, the three, two game of, we can't let them have another shot. And that's a tough transition. When you are a team that is as good as this team is in the attack and has players and has defenders that love to get forward and contribute in the attack, and everything is based around that side of it, the switch has to be flipped, and it's really easy to say and hard to do in that you have to be that gritty defensive team in those moments where that's what the game calls for. When you start changing personnel, I don't think it's a system thing. I don't think it's a tactical thing. I don't, I'm not buying any of that because when you look at a lot of the metrics about the way the team defends, They're disruptive. Teams don't pass at a high percentage against them. Teams don't get into the final third often against them. They're in the top five in the league in that. They're very good in a lot of defensive metrics, but the few opportunities that they give up, too many of them are ending up in the back of the net. And I think when you start to change personnel, you can lose some of what you get on the attacking side that makes the team so good there. And maybe you gain on the defensive side, but you have to gain enough on the defensive side to make up for that. And that's a tough balancing act for a team that, you know, you look at that start and you mentioned it as good as they were in the start. When you started to have injuries, you started to have that international call up week, lose to Columbus and the lineup started to shift a little bit. It's hard to gain that continuity. So when you start to change the lineup, change personnel, searching for something, you can lose more of the rhythm, more of the chemistry and lose some of the good things that this team has this season as well. That's a really tough balancing act, and I don't think there's an easy answer to it.
1: Last question for you, Jason. Um, Is Yakima the best goal scorer that we have seen other than Joseph Martinez? Take Joseph out of it. Nobody's Joseph Martinez. But is he the best pure goal scorer that this franchise has had other than Joseph?
3: Yes. Uh, That's easy answer, yes. And I I think over time he might maintain that kind of a level. I mean, he's on a goal-scoring pace that is ahead of Joseph Martinez Mm -hmm. right now. It's very early, early days, early stages. But he's a different kind of player. And I I think what he gives you is some different ways to combine to get into the final third. And he's never going to be a big assist guy. I think Joseph was starting to develop aspects of this in his game. But Yakimakis is really good at combining and working for others. His, His team awareness is really strong. He'll make a run to open up space for somebody else. He'll lay the ball into space. He'll, he'll hit passes with the right amount of pace, um, a hard pass to signal, play faster, a shorter ball to let someone run onto it, things like that. He's a complete player. But in the 18, he's lethal. And to have somebody like that in this group right now, he's been an amazing signing. And it's just when he's on the field, you feel like Atlanta United has an opportunity to score.
1: On Twitter, at Longshoe, he'll be on the call Wednesday, June 7th, Atlanta United's next match coming up in LAFC. And uh, Jason Longshore, join us on the waitfor.com hotline. Jason, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes. We will uh, chat again soon. And uh, if I don't talk to you before, then have fun in LA.
3: Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. When we
1: come back, I, I got to open up the phone lines because I got to – help make sense of this, okay? 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. I'm going to give you a name that I keep seeing and reading about that the Atlanta Hawks should make a run at. 404-726-0929. I'll tell you what that name is up next and help me make sense of all of this. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.
3: Sports Radio 92.9, the game, back at a
1: Chuckery show, hanging out at Kia Studios Thursday night with you. All right, 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Data, I'm going to get you involved in this, uh, too. I have seen multiple places where, you know, again, we're looking to try to make a splash, right, for the Atlanta Hawks, right, trying to to get things cranked up and going. Like, I want Jalen Brown. I'll I'll sell out to go get Jalen Brown. I'll give up what I'll I'll give up that deal, you know, with all of our I'll give it up because I'm trying to be good now, not three years from now. Okay. But I've seen this name in multiple places that the Hawks should look to make a trade for. And that name is Kristaps Porzingis. Now, last year for the Washington Wizards, um, you know. Two years ago, he was traded from Dallas to Washington, partnering him up with Bradley Beal. You know, look, on the surface, there are some good numbers there. 23.2 points per game. 38.5% three-point percentage. He does some good things. 32, almost 33 minutes a night. Um, where's he add an assist? Well, he's. 2.7 assists. But here's the here's the thing that kind of blows me away. And, and this is what happens when you're seven foot three and you stand out at the three-point line. The last two years, he's been 8.4 and 8.8 rebounds per game. He's never even been a double-digit guy rebounding. Because that's what happens when you stand 30 feet away from the basket. And I think about this, and I say, okay, why do I want a seven foot three guy that plays his game thirty feet away? I mean, when everybody in the league goes right to the basket on us, right? I mean, I need Capella and Okongwu and guys like that to at least be something on the interior and clean the glass because we don't do a very good job of rebounding outside of a Clint Capella. We're we're a we're a good rebounding team. We were a top 10 rebounding team this past year. But Capella is one of the big reasons why. Because he's an elite rebounder. Capella is an elite rebounder. Give him that. Yeah. I mean, he's not an elite center, not an elite scorer, not an elite defender. He's a very good defender, a decent score, but an elite rebounder. Especially in today's NBA. Now Again, it's not Barkley or Rodman or guys like that, right? That you know that you know you're at that level. Oh, there's that Wendy Corona. Whoo, man! <laughs> Hi, Caraba. Um, anyway, uh, where was I? Um, Wendy. Oh no, sorry. Uh, Hawks. Um, so why do I keep seeing this name as a guy that the Hawks should be trading for?
2: I will say this: When I a couple weeks back, when I was looking at kind of like top free agents um, in the top and in that top ten portion of the list, I will say his name. Well, he's
1: not a free agent.
2: Well, not free agent, but uh, or I think he's soon to be though, isn't he?
1: Um, he's got so just so we're clear, he's got thirty three. Well, thirty three point eight million owed this year. Right. Okay. But then he's got a player option. Right. That's thirty six million. Yeah. So, again, is he going to turn down $36 million? Because by then, he's going to be 30 years old.
2: Well, that and I, that, that's what I was going to say. His name jumped out to me first, but then when I saw what he would be owed, I just don't think he's worth that. And especially to your point, if he's not even averaging 10 rebounds a game, a night, like... He's seven three. I, and I know, right. he can, I know he can shoot threes. I've
1: got... Too many guys that are big guys that play 30 feet away from the basket. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of that already. Yeah,
1: like I I don't need more of those kinds of guys. So 404-726-0929. Help me make it make sense about why the Hawks should be interested in a guy like this. And again, it's not that he's a bad player, that he's a bum or anything like this, right? But first off, how good are the Wizards? I mean, with Bradley Beal and Porzingis, have they been much of anything? Are are they, are they threatening to take over the Eastern Conference? I don't think so. So I, I'm not, and again, not blaming it all on him, but if I'm going to pay 33, 34, 36 million dollars in salary to a player, which, you know, again, let me put it like this. Uh DeJounte Murray's making half that. He's making half that kind of money. And that's not even, I mean, we talk about John Collins and how much we're paying him. You know, pay Perzingas $34 million to stand 30 feet from the basket and shoot threes. Because that's what he wants to do. He don't want to go in there and bang around with anybody and get physical and get tough with anybody. He wants to stand outside and, and shoot as many threes as he can. And he averages what? Um, what's his per game average? I thought it was over five. Let me see here. Um, he averages five and a half threes per game. Five and a half threes per game. Okay, 38.5%. It's not bad for a seven foot three guy, but that ain't like 50%. And if he's not down low, who's gonna rebound for us? Who's gonna bang around inside? John Collins? Don Collins wants to stand around from three point land as well. What's the I mean, everybody drives to the basket on us. So I need I need less rim protectors when all is said and done. I, I just don't understand all of this. Help me make it make sense. Marco out in Buckhead. What's going on, Marco?
3: Hey, what up, Chuck? Uh for this one, I mean, that sort of sounds like one of those like pie in the sky like this would work in a video game type of trade. Sure. But my main problems with Kristaps is, A, his health, and then, B, he already sort of played in a – not to say Trey and Luke are extremely similar, but he played in a system like that, and one of his biggest gripes was that they didn't draw plays for him. So I don't think that we would do that here either. And, and like you said, there would be a lot of money to try to pay somebody who's not healthy, and I would not uh, leverage my future to try to bring that kind of guy in
1: here. Appreciate it. Uh, 65 games last year is all he played. He played 51 the year before that. 43, 57, 48. He played 72 in 65 games his first two years with the Knicks. Since the 27, starting with 2017, 2018, starting with that year, he's had one season where he's played more than 60 games. And his peak is 65. So I get another beat up, banged up guy that. You know, again, can shoot the ball and score. And again, I'll say it. I'll I'll be Mike Bell. I don't want any more of these soft European types of guys on here. Like, I don't need more of those kinds of guys. I need some grit and some toughness on this team. Michael, out in camp. What's going on, Michael?
3: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think on uh, defense, he's kind of an open door. Um, Doesn't really help us. uh, Doesn't really fit. You know, what we need right now and who we need to pay is a top tier wing. Uh, we don't need to pay another another big. I think we, I think, you know, when it comes to shooting, uh, we pay other people to shoot. We could pay a wing to shoot. Um, also, you know, with Trey's play style, he likes lobbing it up to people. Um, if Capella's going to be the only person that we're going to lob to, we're going to have some problems because Kristaps ain't jumping. I mean, I know he's 7'3. And um, you know, but like you were saying, he he plays around the outside. I, I just I don't think he fits well with our team, and I think that money needs to go to other places.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, when I've got my seven three guy shooting five and a half threes a game, uh, I mean I know it's modern day basketball and. Oh well, Dirk Nowitzki made it. Okay, Dirk's a Hall of Dirk's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, okay, give me Dirk Nowitzki, and give, Dirk give also me a, give me a, hold on, give me a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right, right. I mean, right. you know, give me one of the top players of all time. Yeah, if we can drop him on the. But Porzingis isn't a top player.
2: No, and Dirk had no problem playing in the paint. Whenever yeah, he yeah, exactly, to. he had no problem doing it so.
1: Okay, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Porzingis is anything but a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. Oh, and uh what did Dirk Nowitzki win when he was in Dallas? What did he win? did
2: he he won a
1: title? Oh, right? yeah. oh how about that? Yeah. How about that? Hey, how about that? Did he get any MVPs? I don't know if he was an MVP know, or not. But he did get a title. I, here's what I know. He's a he won a title and is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Thank you. Thanks. Next. Next call, please. Thank you. Right? Porzingis is a guy who's playing, you know, again, peaking at 65 games over the last seven, eight years or six years or whatever it's been. No thanks. But, again, he's a name that if you're looking to trade, you know, he's a name that, that is popping, you know, in these circles, right? Why can't I just have Jalen Brown? Like, why, why make this more complicated than what it needs to be? Jalen Brown here, play him at three. One of the best two-way players in the NBA. I've seen, like, multiple ex-players and stuff like that, former coaches and stuff like that, saying, wow, Jalen Brown would be great in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, can we get him?
2: Yeah, I I got bad news for you, Chuck. Um, The fact that, and this is just my opinion, the fact that the Celtics uh, have come out and said they're sticking with Missoula, they're going to offer Jalen the max. The question is going to be, will he stay?
1: Well, again, I mean – everybody's trying to get out of Boston, right? Yeah. I mean, you're seeing, like, there's been three or four guys that have been like, "Yeah, I don't know if I want to be here in Boston yeah. anymore.
2: Yeah, so they're going to offer it to him. The question is going to be, will he stay?
1: Well, again, if they offer him the Supermax, how do you turn that down?
2: Yeah. I mean, with all
1: due respect. Because they can, they can pay him more than anybody. Right. How do you turn down the – how do you turn down 290 guaranteed in the Supermax?
2: Yeah. No,
1: like right. I, I, I would tell – I mean, in all honesty, as much as I want him in Atlanta – I'd go up to him and tell him he's the dumbest person on earth if he turned down 290 guaranteed million. dollars. I don't care if he's playing for the Washington Generals. I don't care if he's playing for, um, you know, the, uh, you know, Frankfurt Penguins or whatever. 290 guaranteed. Take that Supermax, son. Yeah. And cash those checks.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. I And like I said, this is just me speculating. I just think they're going to do it because, look, I don't think I don't know how confident those guys really are in Missoula, and if you let Tatum get away with Missoula at the helm, I think you're in trouble.
1: I think that I I, I'll say it like this: if if they were if they are going to offer Tatum or Brown, I think they offer Tatum first. I, I think Jason Tatum is I think Jason Tatum is supposed to be a Celtic for life. Yeah. I think he I, is the one. Yeah, right. I, I think Jason Tame is a first team All NBA player, first team All NBA. He's the guy that that you that you look at on there. Not saying that Jalen Brown is a great player, second team All NBA, but again, I I don't I don't get this fascination with a Porzingis. Like if I'm if I'm trading for him, I'm not giving anything up for him. I'm not I'm not giving up a whole lot. I'm not giving up any of my young guys to bring him in. And again, you know. A.J. Griffin, Bogey, Trey, DeJounte, Hunter, Collins. Like, how many, how many guys out of position to shoot threes do I need? Like, how many, how many more guys that should not be shooting three-pointers do I need on this team? I already got Hunter and Collins, you know, shooting threes out there. I don't need more, more big guys that draw people away, you know, that, that you know, again, they, they stand 30 feet from the basket and want to shoot threes. I don't need more of those kinds of guys. I need guys that bang around on the inside. All right, when we come back, it'll be time for the Falcons flyover. Pro Football Focus has the three best players for every team in the NFL. And I disagree with two of the three for the Atlanta Falcons. Chuck Kia Studios, Sports Radio 929, The Game and The Odyssey.com app.